Follow us on Facebook and Open Letter. But you know me by a different, much older name. A name perhaps you hoped you'd never hear again. I am Dave! I am not Dave. I'm much better looking. But we are going to continue part two. <laughs> we are going to continue with the part two of Dave's uh, story. This is a difficult conversation. So we are just going to jump right in and let Carol take off where she left off. She's doing a fantastic job, by the way. So I'm Chad, the producer. We've got Dave and Carol here who are about to get married. And we are telling a very difficult story about Dave's personal struggle with pornography. So let's go ahead and take it from where you guys left off. I guess a lot of people, and and yourself included, um, I've heard you say in, pa- in the past that your pornography addiction was what ended your marriage. And I can speak from experience because it was a major factor in what ended my first marriage. But a lot has to do with the response, both of the people that you were working with in the church and your wife, and uh, there were a lot of other factors that were an influence. It wasn't just the porn. And I know there are people who say that porn can actually be good for a marriage. How, what would, what would you res- how would you respond to that? I think you need to be extremely, extremely careful with the usage of pornography into a marriage. Um, I think that there are the more and more studies they do, and I have not uh, read reams and reams of studies. Uh, I have read some books about pornography addiction, uh, but I think that would be something that I would be extremely careful of, and it would probably be best to be avoided. I think that's it's very deceptive when people say that yeah. because, I mean, when you allow sexual sin into a marriage, it defies the marriage bed. Sure. Yeah. And it can create inside both the husband and wife a desire for something beyond what they are noticing. You probably already have notes on that. I do, and that's the perfect introduction <laughs> to some of the stuff I was going to talk about. Well, okay. there you go. There's a segue. I, I will <laughs> Thank say you, Chad. one quick, You're welcome. One quick thing, though, is that, and this is something Carol and I talk about. Chad, I appreciate you know the intro there. It is very difficult. Um, and this is difficult for Carol, and she and I talked about whether she would want to do this or not, uh, because it does bring up a lot of stuff. It sure uh, does. And, and part of my issue is that I have this tendency to take 100% of the blame of the dissolution of my marriage and put it on me. Mm-hmm. And that's something we work on um, and we talk about. Um, and it's not in any way, shape, or form to be throwing mud anywhere else. But, you know, my tendency is just to put put it on me, my fault, 100%. But that's not, that's not healthy, uh, nor is it accurate. And again, it's not to disparage anyone else, but um, even so as... Because I believe that that feeds into those message messages, that internal narrative you have that increases the temptation to porn. Yeah, it, it does. It does. The whole rejection, exactly. which wants isolation, which needs comfort, um, which pornography promises and does a very poor job of delivering. Mm-hmm. So yeah, of course, there are... There's always two, takes two to tango. 
you know what I find interesting? And I'm sorry, this is a side note, but really quickly. Yeah. Um, Baywatch Pamela Anderson. Yeah, I saw that. Has come out against pornography and her. has discussed yeah. how she believes it damages relationships. And it's interesting because she's probably been the object <laughs> no <laughs> more so than the outspoken mm-hmm. opponent. Yeah. Well, one of the things that a porn addiction does is that, like like Chad was saying, it, it creates this idealized expectation in one or both partners' minds. Perhaps a fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Which decreases confidence and trust. And trust is so essential to intimacy. Yeah. So it undermines that foundation of trust for the whole relationship. So even if a marriage can survive with porn it is still damaging it's still hurting that intimate bond between the two and in some ways it is inter it is injecting um other people into the sexual relationship yeah so and hence adultery in a is. sense in a fantasy in and a it, sense, well and it can did, lead to more than just a fantasy. what did jesus say about what happens in our hearts mm-hmm uh, very dangerous and things we need to think about and remember. And here are some facts. I mean, some research-based conclusions. Here's a sociologist that has come up with six trends that pornography consumption contributes to. Increased marital distress and the risk of separation and divorce, which we've both seen. Yeah. Decreased marital intimacy and sexual satisfaction. Infidelity. Increased appetite for more graphic types of pornography and sexual activity associated with abusive, illegal, or unsafe practices, which is what I experienced and also led to my divorce. Devaluation of monogamy, marriage, and child rearing, and an increasing number of people struggling with addictive sexual behavior. So it contributes to not just visual addictions, but like you said with your uh, first girlfriend, the more you saw, the more you wanted to try what you saw. Yeah, it's like feeding a fire. And, Absolutely. And that's what happens. And so it can lead to not just problems in the marriage, but it can lead to activities that are dangerous and can even be unsafe yeah. for one or both of the partners. In 2002, the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers reported that 68% of the divorces involved one party meeting a new lover over the internet. That's wow. a lot. And that was before That's Facebook. In 2002. Really was the rage. and mm-hmm. Yeah, that had a lot to do with my divorce. Really? Yes. 56% of the divorces in 2002 involved a party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. So you can't say that porn is not a danger to marriage. Well, not just that. It's a danger to a person individually because i don't know if you remember prior to his execution one of the last things ted the one of the last people ted bundy was interviewed by was dr james dobson and he in his interview ted bundy referenced early pornography Mm -hmm. as the way that fed the fire for his sexual desire that eventually led him to raping and murdering women. And you can wow. and you can see anything you want on the internet now. Two thousand two, oh, yeah. my goodness, it seems such such an innocent time. Now that's not to say, and please, we're not saying or hinting that everyone who looks at porn is going to turn out to be a serial killer. We're not saying that everyone who looks at porn is going to turn into some type of mindless crazed rapist. 
Um, yeah, those are the extreme situations. That's not the norm. That's not where the porn leads 99% of people. But it is, it is fuel to the brokenness in all of our lives that will only increase our isolation. Mm-hmm. It will increase how we view people and view pleasure and view sex and how we view God. And it's going to have a destructive, it may not, it's not, most cases it's not going to be that catastrophic, but that doesn't mean that it's not noteworthy, the damage that it can do. Yeah. It can be very subtle in the way that it causes you to objectify other people. It does. Um, It is. You start to view them as a tool rather than an individual. Yeah. You just, you're a tool to satisfying my pleasure. Mm-hmm. You need to do these dangerous. things for me, and it's hard because as a as a man who has exposed himself to a large quantity of pornography over the course of my life, I have to try to be very aware of that, even in my relationship with Carol, that I don't see her as a means to an end, but mm-hmm. continue to see her as a person and not just someone who can satisfy my needs. Right. <laughs> so what scares you the most about getting married again? Failing again, being rejected again. Failing in what way? Going back into uh, what I used to do. Full disclosure here, um, I have gotten better. There are things that I don't do that I used to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to go into the details of some of those things because I don't, I don't really see a purpose in that. But uh, there was some stupid stuff I used to do early in my marriage and then after I knew I was getting divorced and we were separated, I went back to doing some really stupid stuff that I used to do uh, way back in the early 90s. I, I stopped doing that stuff over the last three years. And I, I don't think I would go back to that, but I made so many promises to myself of what I was or was not going to do only to change my mind when the passion gripped me or actually what's happening is the amygdala takes over. It causes a flight or a fight or a flee response. Okay. I think you should clarify amygdala. <laughs> the amygdala is so. a part of your brain, and it tells you whether it's it's actually fight. What is it? Fight, flight? Fight or flight? There's one There's more. There's one there. more. There's I can never remember there. what it is. Anyway, so it's basically it's the response part that takes over your brain if you're in danger or trouble. The amygdala will take over, and you will stop thinking rationally. And you will either start to fight or you will, or or, or the two basic ones are are fight or flight. And some people would argue that porn, pornography viewing is not an addiction. They would say, oh, it's just a choice. You just need to stop doing it. You keep choosing it. But there has been medical research that has shown that the addiction to pornography chemically is very similar to our heroin addiction in terms of the chemicals that releases in your brain. Well, when I went to that, um, this is way back in, uh, you know, in 2002, when we went to Grand Island, Nebraska, there it was actually Dr. Dobbins from Emerge Ministries. That's where we went. Um, and they were great, by the way. Um, they were just starting to do some real early research on, pornogra- on pornography. And my counseling, because we went out there for a week and we had real intensive counseling like every day for a week out there wow. in Akron. They said that pornography as an addiction, if it truly is addictive, and they believe that it was, incorporates, there's three main hooks when it comes to addiction, Mm -hmm. okay? There is stimulus, like an upper, Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, kind of get you, you know, revved up and awake. And certainly porn does that. Um, then there's the downer. There is the, the kind of um, more of a sedative. Mm-hmm. Um, pornography incorporates that. And then there's a hallucinogenic. Those are the three mm-hmm. main barbs or hooks of any of the three main uh, things that hook people into addiction. Pornography incorporates all three. Yeah. Plus, it's just a normal part of a human's drive mm-hmm. is for sex. So it's insidious and extremely dangerous. And my, my, my ex-wife used to tell me, you've got to stop. you just got to <laughs> choose. You're not going to do it anymore. You just don't do it. And that would be like saying to a drug addict, stop doing drugs. That would be like saying to a bald man, grow your hair back if you try it. If you think about it, just grow your hair back. I'm just, waiting just for that miracle. Back. I'm waiting for that wait, miracle. I see that hand. I'm believing um, it. I believe, I believe it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I'm with you, my brother. Um, <laughs> you know, Leviticus 13.40 says. I thought it was Hezekiah 4.12. No, Levit- Leviticus 13.40 says if a man is losing his hair, he is bald, he is clean. He is clean. So I don't even have to take a shower. <laughs> Ew. Well, that explains a lot. <laughs> Now that answers a whole other oh, set of boy. questions. No, but it uh, it was very difficult because I tried so hard. I, I, I answered so many altar calls over the years. I fasted. I've prayed. I had someone pray for me for deliverance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that none of those things. And I've been slain in the spirit, to use that Pentecostal term. Um, I've had words of knowledge spoken over me, prophecies. Uh, I've tried everything I could, and I'm not saying that those things didn't have value. I think some of them didn't. Um, some of them certainly had a lot of value, and they helped along the journey. The problem was I was looking for an on-off switch. I've never found it. Um, full disclosure, I still look at pornography sometimes. I'm not proud of that. I'm working on that. I'm trying to be honest about it, but it happens sometimes. Sorry. Um, I knew that. I know. We talk about it. Um, so I think that we need to remember, though, that, and I don't know if we're going to touch on this or not, but there's a spiritual aspect to pornography that yeah. isn't talked about very much. No, it's not because we don't understand it. Chad, you are just doing some great introductions for me today. Oh. Look at this teamwork. It's, it's the spirit. It's the anointing. Yeah. There you go. And so, for those of you who aren't believers, we're using lots of Christian lingo on this broadcast. <laughs> So uh, you'll figure it out in context. Well, some recent research has been done that indicates that the best solution, the best, I'm not going to say cure, but thing to combat addiction of any kind is intimacy. When you say intimacy, what do you mean by that? Are you talking about physical human? I am talking about true intimacy of connection, of honest, open vulnerability, the kind of close relationship that God wants to have with us. Mm, that's deep. It is good. Thank you, J.R. Pittman. That's deep. That's deep. Um, <laughs> well, she's getting up in your biscuit, and that's another J.R. Can I have thing. some honey on that biscuit? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. So here's, here's, here's one of the things that's helped me over the last few years mm-hmm. um, that's really helped me in my, in my journey, my continued st- my struggle. Um, as pornography still has a, it's still present in my life to some extent, but certainly not to what it used to be. Uh, and guys, girls, I think it's really important out there. You have someone you can be honest with who's not going to shame you. Doesn't mean they're not going to be disappointed when you tell them you, that you failed. That's okay. They have to have their right to have an emotional response. 
but you've got to have people that you're honest with. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't have to go do a podcast like I'm doing it because <laughs> I'm an idiot, and it's just what I do. But what really helped me over the last few years is my good friend and senior pastor, Chuck Swanson. Um, he's kind enough to let me speak on Sunday mornings a few times a year, knowing all my stuff. And there's stuff I haven't told you on the podcast that he knows and Carol knows and Chad knows. Um, again, not worth going into the detail. But he trusted me. Even though he knew this is a current struggle at times, he loved me and trusted me enough. He continually gives me ministry opportunities and, and cares enough about me. When we get together and talk, he's not my accountability partner. We talk about church. We talk about sports. We talk about superhero movies and other movies. He doesn't even bring it up. That's not the relationship I have with him. Other people in my life bring it up. Um, but he kept entrusting me with ministry opportunities. And the more I got involved in men's ministry and the creative team at my church, that's when I started to see this slip away. Mm-hmm. Because it, it lost a lot of its power in my life when it became something, and this is weird, when it became something that I wasn't so ashamed of anymore. Mm-hmm. Not saying I embrace you and it's you're okay, but saying... This is part of my journey and where I'm at, and it just is. And I got to stop pretending it's not part of my journey and where I'm at. I got to stop. This is where I am. This is who I am. And I'm continually striving to move past it. But instead of being ashamed about it, it's more like this is just where I am. I like to think that I've been a little bit helpful, too. You. <laughs> You have been extremely <laughs> helpful as well, um, definitely. But uh, I think it's the same thing. It's the same, the ability to have a close relationship with someone where you can be honest but not feel like you have to earn approval. And to go back to my marriage, um, I couldn't tell her that I was doing poorly. I just couldn't do it. I just, she begged me, literally begged me to tell her when I was struggling, and I could not do it. Um, and a lot of that, and there's dynamics in that I'm not going to get into. Um, all, I can only speak for my dynamics in that is I was so afraid of her rejecting me, I refused to be honest with her, even though she was telling me, please tell me. Would but, you say that it would be better then for a person to be upfront and honest? Yes. yes. No matter how Absolutely. deep the uh, addiction could be? I, I, I would say I this. Wasn't, I was unaware of what was going on in my marriage for the first 11 years. I had no idea. There's some, I knew there was weird stuff happening. I had some clues, but I was so naive it didn't. I didn't connect the dots. But that was so devastating. But I, I want to be careful in that. And so when I first, after my, after my second resignation of of a as a pastor because of pornography usage, my message used to be: you need to be open and honest with your spouse, hundred percent right away. And that's that's not good advice. Um, because you cannot drop a bomb like that on someone who right. has no idea it's coming. But that, to be open and honest from the beginning. That should, <laughs> so yeah, if you're, so hey, hey, young men, young women, mm-hmm. if you're listening to this right now and you struggle with pornography and you're starting to get in a relationship with someone, relationship with someone and they don't know about it, um, bad idea. It's Let not going to go well for you. You are just storing up pain for yourself. And for so, and for her. Yeah, or, or him. him. And one of the really disturbing things to me, when I was dating, I was on a 
Christian dating website. And I didn't want to go out with guys that didn't claim to be Christians. Right. But one of the first things I would ask on the first date, I know this is weird, but I would ask, how do you feel about pornography? David was the first man. And let me tell you, I dated a lot of guys. <laughs> A lot of first dates. You've got to go through a lot of you, dirt to find the deal. diamond. Right. But She's still looking for the diamond in me. David but. was the first guy that actually admitted to having a problem with watching it, but that believed that it was wrong. Most of the men that I went out with, claiming to be Christian, said, sure, I look at porn. What's wrong with that? Yeah, that's... that's. They didn't see anything wrong with it. I I have to ask something. Yeah, please. Because... I mean, I'm thinking of the listener right now. You referenced your story. Yeah. Would you be willing to give us some of that story? Because I think it's important, and I think we mentioned this before, that since you have a story, that I think it's important for a man listening to realize the Uh, damage. The heart of a woman. That they could do to a woman. Yeah. By allowing this addiction to grab a hold of them. Would you be willing to share some of that? Even if you just give a brief, just enough to, you know, to let us know. So my husband had a pornography addiction, but he did not admit it. And I had no idea about the porn until I'd been married. Like I said, I'd been married 11 years. And there were things like catalogs that would come to the house. And I'd be like, what's? why are we getting this? Oh, I don't know. We're probably just on some junk mail email list or whatever. Um, There would be times when I'd come home from work and stuff hadn't happened that was supposed to happen and like chunks of time that were unaccounted for, money that was unaccounted for. Hmm. But I I didn't get it. You know, I didn't know. So after after we'd been married, after my second child was born, he told me, look, I've got this problem with looking at porn. And as he told me stuff, things started to fall into place and make more sense in terms of some of those things I'd wondered about, some of the strange behaviors I didn't understand. And then I thought, well, I could just be enough. I can compete with the porn. And so I tried. Um, He didn't want to tell anyone. So we thought we could handle this on our own, and that did not work well. No, I bet. It just made me feel worse. Well, yeah, I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. And and thank you, by the way, for, for your willingness, because yeah. you have, you both, by having this conversation, have the ability right now to reach out to people who are hurting. Yeah, and that's the and point. And letting them and know they're not alone. That's the only reason why we do it. Yeah. Right, because we want to help people. It's not about just, hey, let let let's vomit all over everybody. Because um, we all know the only star of this podcast is me. What's true? There is <laughs> there is that there is that. Um, but just trying to help people to get to a point where you can be honest about what you're struggling with, that you're not alone in this. Um, that we're trying to really push in this podcast for community, for openness, for honesty, for growth. Yeah. During this time, we were leaders in the church. We were part of a church plant. We were some of the responsible parties for just about like a everything. charter member. We didn't 
the kind of denomination I come from doesn't have pastors. We just had elders. And okay. my, my husband was one of the elders. And so we were involved in everything. He was preaching. I was teaching Sunday school, leading women's ministry. We organized the fellowship meals. We did visitation. We we were involved in all of it. And this whole time, there was this thing going on at home. And, and you it, were aware of it and he was aware of it. I was aware of it being a problem. I had no idea the extent of what was going on. Okay. No idea of the places he was going and things he was doing. And then it got to the point where it started to really affect how he treated me. Okay. Now I've heard that oftentimes that an addiction to pornography can lead to violence. Is that the case or is he this... wasn't physically violent? Yeah, and I and I wasn't in my marriage either. But he was he verbally did, abusive. There were there he, were problems. He did become forceful in yeah. some ways. Yeah. Okay. And we're and we want to be we're trying to be careful on this and telling the story and not talking details. Telling stories right. that aren't ours to tell sort of. Yeah. And we don't uh, want to sensationalize. We don't want to violate and you're people's not, privacy. And you are very unsensationalizing this, but it's more protecting other people's privacy right. where we're trying to be careful and not give too many details of people who don't get to tell their side of their story today. Right. Okay, so for a guy who might be struggling with this, what did it do to you yeah, feeling-wise? Well, in your heart. What, what did happened? it make you feel like when he or you found out he... Like I wasn't enough of a woman, that I wasn't attractive enough that I couldn't satisfy him, that... Because um, people might hear this, and that's what she's saying just sounds so cliche because you hear that when people are ministering. And, and, but know, it's true. He, he would yeah. say, this has nothing to do with you. Right. But that's, I, what, that's, but that's not how it felt. So you this felt... Is, I'm his wife. I, this is my job. This is part of my role as a woman is to meet his sexual needs. And if he's going to these other places. So it's a feeling of intense inadequacy. Is yes. that right? Yes. Um, so let me ask you this. Was that true? Was that really what was going on is because you were inadequate? No. No. But, but feelings are for feeling. Right. And that was your reality. Your perception at that time was, I'm inadequate. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough. And if I was, he wouldn't be doing this. Right. So there's a woman out there right now listening to this, to your, to this right now, and she is connecting with what you're saying right now. And she's like, that's right, Carol, exactly. I want you to talk to her right now. It's not your fault. You've got to get help. And my problem was that as I tried to reach out for help and ask people, nobody wanted to discuss it. People would say, oh, that's too personal. I don't want to be involved in something so personal. I don't have the time to deal with such a huge issue. There were just, and this is, this, I'm talking people in the church. Um, nobody wanted to discuss it, but don't give up. Keep trying to find somebody to help you. Seek professional help. And don't settle for a counselor that isn't working for you. Keep trying. Don't give up. 
but it is not your fault. I want to squeeze in here an opportunity then to plug our email address. Would you be willing to um, maybe have an email exchange with a woman who absolutely. is struggling? Yes, could I you, would. Dave, refresh our audience of our email address? Yeah, absolutely. And also, if there's men out there and they want, they feel like they're trapped in this. And because I can tell you, when I was in it, I felt trapped and I didn't know sure. how to escape. Yeah. And I knew I was making my wife feel like, feel horribly bad you know i I remember having just the pain i caused her and the self-loathing that i had for years realizing i'm killing this woman i'm breaking my family up and i can't stop doing it i don't know how to stop um so our email and we're not professional counselors or anything like that we're just people with stories and we know professional counselors that we can point you to that's true we had mike walton on the podcast a a couple episodes ago if you're in the grand rapids area look up mike walton second Second story Story counseling yeah (laughs) i mean he's great great guy and he deals specifically with this stuff he also has an intern right now who is a a woman and she's also amazing denise bolt is great um that's just in this area comfortable talking to a woman that would be a good option. Um, so our, our email address is an open letter to you. That is the number two, the letter U, an open letter to you at gmail.com. We are on Facebook. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. You can contact us on Facebook. Um, we in the past have not checked our email that frequently. Uh, <gasps> well, we, we haven't gotten a lot of emails. So. <laughs> and the ones we've gotten haven't been especially got- nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, they haven't. But um, Shame on them. Well, Carol, let me say this. Um, this is the other, the caveat to what you're saying is I know that we're in the Facebook generation and the Instagram. Um, don't go vent on Facebook no, about don't. what your spouse is don't. doing. Please don't do that. Not even in code because some people no. can read, some people can interpret it. It's not helpful. Um, this is something Carol and I are trying to do for each other recently yeah. is we're trying to help each other to stop emoting on Facebook so much. It's just not helpful. It's not healthy. So, Carol, what would you say uh, to the lady who's like, Carol, that's fine. You say all that, but I don't want anyone else to know because now this shame is his shame is my shame. Absolutely. I totally get that. Again, it's not your fault. I I can't say that enough. Go Google the scene from Goodwill Hunting with Robin Williams and Matt Damon where he's telling him it's not your fault. Seriously. Great scene. Um, another thing is, you know, I, I got to the point where I I was told that it wasn't safe for me to stay. So I moved out. The condemnation and judgment from people that didn't know the situation right. was almost as hard. So so let me ask you this, as I'm, we're kind of flipping the interview here. Um Okay, so you, so I'm I'm a woman at home listening to this, and so what I've heard is okay, it's not my fault. Okay, that's good, that helps, but you, I may not find anyone who's going to be able to help me, and if I come forward with this, I might get short, scorned and shamed for something I haven't done anything wrong. So why don't I just keep it quiet? Because it's so incredibly destructive, and there is so much better for you. God has so much better in mind for you for your life. But you've got to go through some difficulty to get to the other side. And it is not your shame. But you, is this true? Your heart was slowly dying. It was. 
it was, I was in a very bad place. Yeah. If I could say something then to other Christians who are listening, who don't understand a person's situation, try not to be condemning, try to learn their story, try to figure out what's going on so you can minister and not leave somebody feeling isolated and alone in a situation because that itself encourages the isolation and that itself is very dangerous both for that person and for the church itself because that comes back on the church. It does. And the other thing I would say to that woman is don't look for that intimacy or approval or admiration from any other man. That's good. Because that is an incredible temptation and I made that mistake and that was wrong. That was my sin. It doesn't satisfy. That's not going to help. It just feeds. It makes the problem bigger. So what's going to help? <laughs> Good question. I know. It is a, it's a question we're all grappling with. So yeah. what's, what's going to help? What are some I things? I think the first step is to find somebody you can talk to and be completely honest with. Yeah. Whether it's a good friend, a pastor, um, there are local ministries. I know, um, well, I don't have any, I, I didn't, well, we didn't, I didn't look that up. This. I didn't prepare for that. We can put that on Facebook. We can, put we can that look on our for page. some and, and yeah. You can but look at Fight the New the, Drug. It's a great, okay, it's that's a great a good website. One. Yeah. The, I, I'd say the first step is just to find somebody to talk to and tell the truth to. It's, we are becoming, especially in the Christian community, and of course we play a very, very tiny role, but because of people with voices like ours that are getting out there, it's still not enough, but people more and more are starting to talk about this, and it's just the tip of the iceberg yeah. because this is a monumentally huge problem. It really is. One of the things I came across um, in 2014, there was this survey done by um, a research organization that showed that between men between the ages of 18 and 30, so marriageable age, yeah. like the age when most people are getting married, 79%, eight in 10 men view pornography monthly. Hmm. Eight in 10 men. And again, those are the ones who are admitting it. Those are the ones who are admitting it. Well, I mean, so, there's the whole idea that you, you don't even have to have people take a survey to admit it because... I a few guests ago we had a gentleman who was from a religious town and I even looked this up because I was so surprised by it. Yeah. But religious towns, mm-hmm. according to a pornographic website that I'm not gonna name, mm-hmm. they did a survey and the most religious towns also had the highest rate of pornographic traffic streaming downloads. and download You're yeah when, the, right. when a youth pastor convention comes to town yep. the hotels know their porn usage is going to go way up holland michigan is one of those towns oh that was the town i was referencing i just didn't want to say holland, oh michigan. sorry that's fine we said holland michigan <laughs> holland michigan um but it, it no it's true too much this is, a, this is a problem and we can't just shut it down we can't just not talk about it which is why we're we should be glad that there are these ministries like you mentioned uh yes. what was it called Fight the new drug. Fight the new drug is this coming is, out. It's not a Christian organization either. 
Okay. It's not even so. Some people are like, ah, it's all you Christians because you're so hung up about sex and you're just all weird about it. And if you'd stop being weird about it, these problems would go away. It's because of all this blah 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 that you guys you guys are the ones that make sex weird, and we are somewhat guilty <laughs> we as do. charged. We do because we we got us, but we got to stop refusing to talk about this yes. stuff. Yes, it is something, and people people look at porn. One of the things I wanted to say about talking about something, this is something that I've uh, discovered for myself and for other people. Um, after the attack in Nice, the trauma in Nice, we it's a France. talked about in France this summer. Um, this came up as well. When you have some kind of a traumatic incident in your life, if you don't talk about it, it controls you. Yeah. It, the emotions from that overpower you. But every time that you can tell that story, every time you can talk about it, it's like you take a little more ownership of it. You take a little more control over it and it loses its power. It becomes easier to talk about and easier to deal with. And those emotions lose their strength. Yeah. If you're dealing with an issue like this or something that you feel shame about, that first time you talk about it, that's going to be really tough. Absolutely. But you can do it. You have to do it. And after you do it once, the second time, it's going to be a lot easier. But be careful who you share your story yes, with. Yes, exactly. Choose wisely because if you're, there's different people in the world. I'm obviously a verbal processor. I'm very emotive and I'm very willing to share my story. And I overshared my story. One of the, one of the things that... Uh, Chuck has helped me with is when I would preach, I would reference my story a lot. And he said, Dave, you got to stop telling your mm -hmm. story. We got to get you to a place where people aren't thinking of you as Dave, the guy who struggles with pornography, yeah. which don't let it become part of your identity. Exactly. And it was, I mean, uh, yeah. And so it, but we did feel because we have, you know, more and more of you are listening to this podcast. I think it's very important. You, we want you to know who we are. As people, we don't want to just be these voices that you hear occasionally um, because we want to help you as much as we can. Um, and, yeah, that's somewhat limited. I don't know to what extent we can impact you, but we do know we are we are impacting people's lives with this podcast. And, and going back to the, the thing you mentioned about Christians making sex weird. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, please, let's go back there. <laughs> One of our favorite authors is C.S. Lewis. Yes. And he said once that love is the great conqueror of lust. Yeah. And there's a little scene in The Great Divorce that I'm sure you know quite well. I do know it real well. Because David played the role of C.S. Lewis in a little play called The Great Divorce at Master very, Arts Theater. Very little play. Which was part of what made me fall in love with him just a little <laughs> bit more. You got starstruck. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah that crowd of... Lewis. You were a, a Dave Tease My Groupie. <laughs> Crowd of a hundred people watching every show. <laughs> I've been there once. It it's is good, it's fantastic. Good uh, it was fun. It was so much fun. Good people there. Um, so yeah, so you know the scene I'm yeah, talking about. Go ahead. About. Go ahead. Go crazy. <laughs> you want to set up the the scene and then I'll read the quote. Yeah. So what's happening here? And it's actually from the book The Great Divorce. And uh, basically, what happens is uh, this bus. And this is written back in the 40s, I think. So. You know, it, it sounds a little goofy to us, but there is these, it starts out in hell. C.S. Lewis is this character in hell, not knowing where he is, not what's going on, standing in this bus line, 
and he gets on a bus with these other people figuring out he's in hell, and the bus is going up into heaven. And these people are welcome to come to heaven and look around, and there are people that come encounter each person from hell, someone they knew from living on earth, and they're trying to convince them to stay. Please stay here in heaven with us. We want you here. But over and over again, each person saying, no, no, I, I, I can't let go of this thing. I don't like it here. It's too bright. It, the grass, the blades, everything's too real. I want to go back to the shadow lands. And, and, every, and everybody has their own little... Their issue they're dealing with. Yeah, one one lady, her uh, son passed away real young, and she can't let him go. Right. Um, and so the the figures in heaven literally beg the people from hell to stay. Well, one man has a lizard on his shoulder, and it's the red lizard of lust. And they he's had this lizard riding on his shoulder for decades, and even into hell. And they converse back and forth, and uh, he encounters this bright and shining angel who offers to kill the lizard. And he says, "We can't. if you kill the lizard, you'll kill me. I can't let you do that. And uh, there's this great conversation that takes place between the bright, shining angel and this man with the mm-hmm. red lizard on his shoulder. So I don't know. Do you want more so, than that? And then the man finally agrees to let the angel kill the lizard, right? Yes. And the, 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 the angel grabs the lizard and, uh, and kills it and, well, and throws it to the ground. And it transforms. In, yeah, instead of dying, what does it become? His lust transforms into desire of for God, and it becomes this stallion. A beautiful stallion. Gorgeous, beautiful, pure stallion, which he then gets He gets on the stallion, and the stallion carries him into heaven. He's the only and one in the story is. who agrees to stay. Yes. And, and so what I'm going to read is the explanation, because C.S. Lewis is watching on, and he's just amazed. Like, what happened? How did... Lust is supposed to be this horrible creature. What? How did that happen? Why is it not gone? And the response that um, C.S. Lewis receives is this. Nothing, not even the best and the noblest, can go on as it now is. Nothing, not even what is lowest and most bestial, will be raised again if it will not be raised again if it submits to death. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Flesh and blood cannot come to the mountains, not because they are too rank, but because they are too weak. What is a lizard compared with a stallion? Lust is a poor, weak, whimpering, whispering thing compared with that richness and energy of desire which will arise when lust has been killed. And that was one of the huge parts for me in my uh, journey and getting more and more free of, of lust is that instead of shaming my desires, it, it, it there's a sense where I had to embrace them and go, okay, this is real. This is what I'm feeling. Not in the sense it's okay to do these things, but this is legitimately what I'm feeling. This really is where I'm at, and i got to stop pretending I'm not here. Um, and that and then find the right way to deal with it. Yes, but instead of saying I shouldn't have these desires, that they need to go away, God, take these desires away, mm-hmm. it was about transforming those desires and not shaming the desires and saying these are stemming from a healthy place. They've just gotten warped. Mm-hmm. And considering that we're about to get married, I'm kind of glad he didn't take those desires away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't. It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible to take those desires away, and you keep trying to cram them down, shove them down, ignore them, Take them, you know, whatever, lock them up in your room. That only makes them stronger and they'll continue to come out in unhealthy and they control ways. You. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the key thing is they'll come out in unhealthy ways because you're, you're suppressing 
an actual desire that you were created to have. Right. It's just gotten twisted, mm-hmm. and you got to learn how to funnel that in a healthy and appropriate way. And that's why you should get help. If you're struggling with this, don't hide. You can't do it yourself. Don't run away. And, and, and there's this constant, we all feel like, well, the rules don't apply to me. You guys don't understand my story. You don't understand where I am. I can actually do it myself because, fill in the blank, it's bull. You can't do it yourself. You can't. You got to get help with this, boys and girls. You need community. And there's a life that's so much better and more glorious Yeah, waiting for you. Yeah, absolutely. The freedom that you can experience, and it is real. But again, it's it's probably not going to be a light switch for you. You're not going to be able to just turn it off by flipping a switch. It's going to take a long time, and you will fail along the way. You will struggle with this, and Mm -hmm. you're going to probably need to read books and have conversations and be open and honest and vulnerable and find a counselor. Um, And maybe the start is you just send us an email. I don't know. But we can help guide you, at least get you started on the path. We'd love to converse with you as you go through this because that's why we do this. I'd like to ask a couple questions before we close. Yeah. It's going to be a tough question, I think, for both of you. Okay. Because you're, you're, what, three weeks away? Yeah. Mm, from getting married. A little more mm. than three weeks away. Yeah, 27 days. So you're about <laughs> to marry. Not that we're counting or anything. No. You're about to marry a man who is openly struggling with something that you have dealt with in the past. What is something that you would want to say to him about this before you get married? Because this is not a little thing. No, and it might not be something you haven't said to me before. It might not be. Because I. You're probably Pretty sure I have said. Did you say you're going to kick his butt? No. <laughs> yeah. Because that, that helps. Because if I put money on a fight between the two of you, I'd put my money on you. <laughs> yeah, because I can't. I, I wouldn't hurt her. I, I could Well, even does. if you tried, she'd take you out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but I seriously, that, though, what would no, you say to him? There are two things. One would be, please keep being open with me. Please keep answering my questions. Don't hide. I will find you. No, I, I um. know where you live. <laughs> Suddenly she became Liam Neeson there. I don't know what happened. It's very strange. And the other thing is, keep in mind how porn makes a woman feel and try to counteract that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so I have to answer that too, right? No, you have a different question. Oh, my question. Okay, cool. Okay. You're about to get married to... A woman and you struggle with this and you know that you do yeah what kind of assurances are you going to give to her that this is not going to become an issue have you set boundaries have you set yourself up in a position to where i mean what are you going to do to prevent it or minimize it the best that you can to continue to be in a community of people who love me and surround me and have helped um get me to where I am now which you are certainly a huge part of that um, and so one of the things that you can do as an addict is to try to put the responsibility on other people well here's what you need to do to make sure I don't do this um, and so the, we've got to be real careful not to do that but one of the things I will say though is that that doesn't mean you're absent of responsibility either which you you accept mm-hmm. um, I can give you no I can't give you an assurance and say this will never happen I know. I, 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 I've been through too much of life. I've failed enough times that and I, I hope I can get there someday. 
I cannot promise you that I won't look at porn anymore ever again. What I can promise you is I won't lie to you about it, but you need to keep asking. Yeah. And even now you don't really probably ask as much as you should. Right. Um, I was just thinking that myself. But that's not to put the responsibility on you. I, I need to continue to do a better job of presenting it to you and I don't do well, but I know my natural tendency is to hide and not to share because that's been my MO over the last 30 years mm-hmm. um, is the cycle of addiction. Yeah. So there's that delicate balance of it's not your responsibility. We both need to be working towards things. Um, we just have to be careful that when our, our brokenness doesn't always play nice with each other. So my brokenness. Which of, also has a, which I now have a follow-up question. Go ahead. Yeah. So our brokenness sometimes will um, poke uh, and provoke each other's brokenness and, and cause more woundedness in there because we're hypersensitive in our areas of brokenness. Mm-hmm. So she gets upset with me and I feel like I'm a failure. Like, oh, see, I suck. I'm no good at this. I'm terrible. I told you I was terrible at this. I don't know why you're in this relationship in the first place. You should have never done this. Told you. So, and I got to not, that's and very I say, manipulative. Wrong. So <laughs> that helps me knowing that she's not going anywhere. And I wouldn't say regardless of what I do, but I, knowing who I am and my past and what I've done and all of that, she's not going anywhere. And I won't hide it either. I'm not going to be codependent and, and take it as my own shame and, and hide it. Which, yeah. which is, actually leads to my follow-up question. Which is? Because you, fo- you, you, you expressed to everybody how that made you feel mm-hmm. as a woman, and I'm sure other women relate to it. How are you going to stop yourself, if it's possible, from blaming yourself if he continues to struggle? What are you going to do to help keep yourself strong in the midst of that? Well, one of the things is, Knowing about it going in, it it helps me to be forewarned and to be aware that that's that's a weakness. But I went to our we we go to a, a marriage counselor. We've been going since January before we were even engaged. Yep. And um, I just told him yesterday that um, he can expect to be seeing us for a very long time to come. Oh, we've been telling him that for a while though. <laughs> yeah. I know that I need an objective voice that can help me hear truth when my own mind isn't telling me truth. And David has been very good at that, but if he's part of the yeah. if he's part of the equation, I need somebody outside of that relationship that can say, "Look, this is what's really happening." Hmm. And okay. um so we have a, a very good Christian counselor who is incredibly helpful. And a good Christian community at our church. Yeah. That we continue to get more and more involved and linked in with. And that's that's a huge thing. You know, our tendency is when we have a problem to hide it. But finding people that love you and will accept you that you don't have to hide from. And you can be totally open and huge honest. huge difference. Yeah, it's huge. And if you don't have that contact us we would love to start a conversation with you to maybe help you find that and if you live around jenison michigan come to solomon's porch yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> all right buddy what else you got you got, no, that any, was, you got any other questions no i think if, if you continue the conversation and i have 
yeah. more, I'll jump in. Carol, do you have anything else you want to throw in as we're kind of getting towards the end of, uh, and just not that it matters for you guys at home, but this is actually, we've recorded both sections um, back to back. We took a little break. Um, we needed a, kind of a little emotional break there midway. But uh, we've been sitting here all Saturday afternoon, not watching football, talking about our stories. And we're, I hope it's helpful. I really do. Um, a lot of other things we could be doing today, but we, we love to do this. We love to talk and uh, try to give hope to people because we think it's important. Well, one of the things that we didn't mention um, that that's really on my heart is the whole other side of the porn industry and sex trafficking yeah. and how damaging it is to the people that are involved in producing this stuff. Yeah. Porn stars are so much more likely to be um, involved in drug addiction and abusive relationships. Um, so many of the people that are involved in producing those videos are not willing participants. Yeah. And this is something that's got to stop. And the more it's consumed, the more that industry grows. And so... I feel like as a church, although in in the past we've we've had a tendency to sort of avoid discussing sexual issues and you know, those are kind of the hush hush things we don't talk about. This is a huge need. Girls are being trafficked in our neighborhoods and nobody's talking about it. So that's something that I would just put out there. If you live in an area and you're aware of well, even if you're not aware, look up organizations that are helping rescue these girls. Get involved. Polaris is uh, one of those groups on the internet. Polaris, mm-hmm. they help uh, with human, stop human trafficking. Yeah. Do what you can to get women away from this kind of industry. I think um, I'd like to say something on that because it wasn't actually too long ago that I never made the connection between porn and human trafficking. It it just never occurred to me that because these women and let's just face it also men yeah. are exposing themselves for money that it is actually human trafficking. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 especially the like Carol's referencing the super the the real tragic it's it's tragic all the way around, but people who are doing it against their will. Um that's of course the is it's a huge it's actually a huger problem than most people realize right. even really in america is. even in west michigan which i personally know someone that almost got yes into yes we do an organization like answered an online yeah. ad for modeling and uh we really believe it was by the grace of god that uh she got away yeah. the police even got involved and were like yeah. you're lucky you're here today because we think you what, could have disappeared you could have been gone and then they get you hooked on drugs, and then they you need the more drugs, so you'll do whatever, whatever they say to get more drugs. All right, guys, it's been an interesting couple hours, um, an emotional couple hours. It's not easy. Uh, I've told my story many times, but uh, it's because we think it's worth it. Because I haven't. <laughs> we think you're worth it. Um, Chad, anything else you want to say as we're wrapping up? I just think that this is a very... Um this is a very good conversation to have had. And again, I want to reiterate, these people are three weeks away from 
from being married. Woo-hoo. So yeah. for them to for them to come out here and be open about this at this point in their engagement is it says a lot about what your guys' heart is to reach out to people. And I just want to compliment you both on your willingness to be open. Thanks, and I just pray that the um, conversation that we're having here reaches out to people and it has a major impact on their lives and maybe even deliver some and save some marriages. Yeah. I, I would be thrilled if, it, if we in some way, shape, or form That'd be awesome. uh, could, could provide help. All right. Well, you've been listening to An Open Letter. Uh, we're a podcast. We've been around for, um, well, it's almost a year now, Chad. Almost a year, yeah. Wow. How about that? Um, so my last words to you is if you are struggling with pornography, get help. Uh, it's not okay that you do these things. It's not okay that you're looking at these images. Most likely, more often than not, it's not going to lead you to become a rapist or a serial killer or anything like that. You very well could just go through your whole life and just kind of dabble in it a little bit. It's still doing damage. Um, you're not an exception to that rule. You don't get to avoid what it does. So if you have a light problem with it and you look at it maybe once every couple months, um, be honest with somebody. Talk about that. It's not helping you. Um, If you look at it a lot, find a counselor. Talk to your pastor. Email us. We'd love to try to get you plugged into somebody. Um, And and the wives and the the, family women involved and of course that goes for you too if you're looking at porn it's not going to lead you anywhere healthy Mm -mm. but uh if you're out there and you feel like you're a victim of this stuff and uh your your significant other is involved in this and you're not married you might want to think real long and hard about getting married to someone who's addicted to pornography especially if they're hiding it and trying to cover it up Mm -hmm. Um, and if you are married uh, we're not saying go out and get divorced Um, (laughs) no please because that is really really very difficult thing to go through but uh try to find people who love you surround yourself with community talk to people be honest to the right people and i believe as you do so that god will honor and reward that and start to bring help so thanks for listening we appreciate every one of you who uh who downloads this and listens to this and we really do need your feedback We want to continue to get better as a podcast. We want to continue to bring guests on that you find interesting. We want to continue to talk about topics that are impactful and that that you need to hear about. Um, So our email address, again, is anopenletter2u at gmail.com. So that's A-N-O-P-E-N-L-E-T-T-R, the number two, the letter U, at gmail.com. And we're on Facebook, so we have a page that's where we that we normally post our uh, podcasts, our episodes. Uh, we got some great podcasts. Uh, we got some great episodes. Uh, we're probably about twenty episodes in now. So, um, you know, download our other stuff and please, 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 if you could review us on iTunes, we uh, that's that's super helpful to give us an idea of how well we're doing. So, thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys. Have a great week weekend. <laughs>